Today, I'm bringing you a holiday gifting question that I received from a listener. The question is, how do I help my six-year-old understand why a toy that she wants is inappropriate? Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope everyone that celebrates had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I received this interesting question from Andrea. How do I help my six-year-old understand why a toy that she wants is inappropriate? And that's all that she sent. So my mind is moving in several different directions on this question. It resonates deeply with me. My now six-year-old wanted something that I didn't think was appropriate last year for the holidays. But the most important part I wanted to unpack is this idea of how do we get her to understand? We talk a lot on this podcast about planting seeds, understanding that as a result of brain development, kids aren't necessarily able to fully understand and grip more complicated scenarios and higher levels of rational thinking often. Now, some are, in some cases, consistently inconsistent. But even if they're not able to fully understand things, that might be beyond their current stage of development, we can, the saying is, plant seeds, which is introduce these ideas to them and build on them with time. So in today's episode, I'm going to explain what that process really looks like. How does understanding grow and change with time as kids grow? But also, let's talk a little bit about this idea of what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. And why there are some things that we might have reservations about for our kids. And when do we need to stand our ground on that? And spoiler alert, there's not a clear and fast rule on when you should stand your ground. It's going to look different in every family. And it's probably even going to look different for every child within the family. I know it certainly does for ours. So the three key points that I'm going to talk about today is number one, what is appropriate for a child when it comes to gifts? Number two, How do we stand our ground without digging our heels in? And number three, what does the quote-unquote understanding process look like as a child's growing? Starting with what's appropriate for a child, in this situation, a six-year-old. This is really entirely guided by your own values and belief sets. There are six-year-olds with cell phones. There are six-year-olds with Xboxes and rather violent video games. There are six-year-olds who only want to play with stuffed animals. There are six-year-olds who only like to play in the dirt. The way that we gauge what is appropriate for a child is often based on what we think a child should be doing in their spare time. If you think that a child should only be outside digging in the dirt and playing in nature, then it's going to feel highly inappropriate for you to gift some kind of screen-based device to your child. If you really value tech use and tech knowledge, then it's going to feel very appropriate to gift your kid an iPad. When we're gifting and deciding what's appropriate versus inappropriate, we're bringing a whole lot of our own baggage in. And there's an important piece that we always need to look deeper at. 
which is who is this child and what do they enjoy? What lights them up? That thing or those things may or may not align with you and what you want to light them up. And that can create an inner struggle for some parents. I think when it comes to gifting for our kids that we should strive to honor our own values while still honoring the interests and the passions of our kids. I know that's easier said than done, especially when those two things are at odds. Last year at the holidays, I talked quite a bit about how my daughter only wanted Gotta Go Turtle. If you're not familiar with Gotta Go Turtle, Turtle is spelled with a D, T-U-R-D-L-E, because it's a turtle that makes turds. It poops kinetic sand. This toy is a giant piece of garbage, literally, because it's going to end up in the garbage very quickly because it's not going to last very long, nor is it going to hold the interest of a child very long. This was the first year that my daughter really asked for something that I really didn't want to buy for her and I really didn't want her to have. I deemed this toy inappropriate because it doesn't align with our values, which is to choose things that are going to last from a material standpoint. They're not going to break easily but are also going to hold our kids' interests for longer periods of time. I mean, how much time can you spend watching a turtle poop without getting bored? Definitely only one way to use that toy. So it felt like a straightforward decision for me. She's not getting it. Santa cannot make this toy. Going to have to pick something else. This was a pretty easy decision because it aligned with my values, but also because she's a kid of many wants. She has lots of interests. I knew that she was going to be able to find something else that made her really excited and would make her light up. So I explained this to her. I explained that this was going to break easily. It wasn't going to last. We needed to find something high quality. So she decided that we should go to the jewelry store so I could buy her real jewels, real gems is what she said. (laughs) So she understood the assignment. Was the solution appropriate for a then five-year-old? Not entirely. So I ended up taking her to the Swarovski store and letting her pick out a little necklace. It has a crystal key on it. It was a little more expensive than the Gotta Go Turtle, but it was her main gift for the year. And she's a kid who struggles to take care of things, struggles with losing things. Definitely a kid a lot like me as a child, but she still has it. She has taken really good care of it. It is very special to her. She recognizes that it is real jewelry. It was hard to say no to something that she really wanted. It really took me looking within at my own personal value set, but also knowing her and knowing that she was going to easily be able to find something else that she really liked and she would be content and she would be able to move on and she would understand and hear the lesson in the process. I was planting a seed and in this case, the seed was adequately planted Because my rationale was, I want you to get something that's high quality, that's going to last, and you're going to keep. And she picked just that. So she's starting to understand. Now, the interesting piece of this is, if my son had asked for Gotta Go Turtle, it would be much harder for me to say no. Because he is a kid of very few wants. He doesn't ask for much. When he gets excited about a new thing, a new toy, I take notice. Because it's not frequent. In general, I do find boys a little bit harder to buy for, but especially this boy. So if I was in the situation where I had to make that same decision for him, I might have made a different decision. 
I might have bought him the Gotta Go Turtle. And that doesn't seem fair, does it? (laughs) Part of parenthood is recognizing that we have to individualize our decisions. I for sure have bought my son more plastic junky toys than my daughter. The other part of this is that he takes really good care of his things. So if I buy him some cheap piece of plastic, it's going to be set on a shelf somewhere. It's going to be taken care of. It's not going to get stepped on. It's going to be valued. So what is an appropriate toy for one child based on my value set may be different for another child. And that's okay. We have to be really careful about getting into battles over fairness We will never win a battle of determining what is fair. Because what is fair through our eyes is unlikely to ever be fair through the eyes of our children. This seems like a good point to discuss the difference between fair and equal. Equal means exactly the same or alike. So you're going to make an equal decision for every child, which means you're going to make the same decision for every child. Fair is being just or appropriate in the circumstances. So making the right or appropriate decision for each child based on the circumstances. So when you think about it like that, yeah, it is fair. Now, could you explain this to a small child and get them to agree with you that it's fair? No. There is some higher level thinking that goes on and really understanding the difference between fair and equal. And most kids with their black and white thinking can really only understand equal. Fair is a much more difficult concept. In this situation, if both my kids asked for Gotta Go Turtle, I wouldn't just buy one of them the Gotta Go Turtle and not buy the other one the Gotta Go Turtle. But I might make different decisions for them based on their needs, their wants, their ability to care for things. And that's okay. Now, this fairness factor gets more complicated when you have kids who are quite different in ages. Say you have a 12-year-old who plays shooting video games, and you don't want your 6-year-old playing shooting video games. But you feel like if the 12-year-old's doing it, the 6-year-old's going to feel left out. The 6-year-old should be able to do it too. No, not necessarily. You're allowed to say no to the 6-year-old. You're allowed to set different rules for younger children. Are they going to understand why you're doing that? Nope, probably not. Most children of this age don't have the advanced reasoning levels to be able to do that, to be able to truly understand and get it and say, okay, mom, okay, dad, that makes sense. Thanks for explaining, right? Probably never going to hear that. But I find making different decisions for kids based on their maturity and their age is something that we need to practice getting comfortable with. It might be really hard to say that to your six-year-old, say, sorry, but you're only six. You can't play the same things as a 12-year-old or even as an eight-year-old. And remind yourself, by definition, that is fair to say that the six-year-old cannot play the games and the 12-year-old can. Because fair means treating people according to their needs. But practicing standing that ground is going to be really important for the future. Because children who are of very different ages and developmental levels They need different boundaries, even if it's uncomfortable for us, and even if they don't really understand it. So let's talk about the idea of standing your ground, but not digging your heels in. As parents, sometimes we can be pretty rigid in our thinking. We can get really stuck in our ways. We get all this mixed messaging around the idea that we need to be consistent and we need to hold boundaries. 
But also we need to recognize that we're allowed to change our mind too. For me, it means looking at my why. Revisiting what my conviction is around making this decision. My real objection to the Gotta Go Turtle was a sustainability objection. I knew this was a piece of garbage that was going to quickly end up in the landfill. And I also knew that this was a kid who could easily pivot and find something else. In my earlier days of parenting, I was much more rigid about gift giving, and I never bought my kids plastic junky toys. But as I'm learning to be more flexible as my kids grow and to respect their wants and interests too, I've been more flexible with that, especially with my son. We've had some really good learning opportunities, in particular with remote control vehicles, because they all break. All of them break. Most of them break quickly. And we use those experiences when toys break quickly to help anchor our decision-making for future purposes. When we look at purchasing future remote control cars, we remember and recall what happened in the previous times with those cars. We use what we call episodic memory to pull up what happened the last time, revisit it, and use that as context for making a new decision. And if your kids are like mine, they may need your help doing that. It's easy to forget about those experiences, especially when they're young. And using examples like that, pulling from memory experiences where junky toys have gone wrong, can help kids make better decisions in the future. Sometimes kids need to see things break in order to see what you really mean. But sometimes you can do like what I did for my daughter, which is make the hard decision of saying no and letting her choose something else that she'll love and treasure even more, even longer. So this year for my daughter, if she chooses something low quality that's not going to hold her interest like she did last year, we can still trigger her episodic memory, which was we recall the decision that we made, which was no gotta go turtle. And instead, she found a necklace that she loved and treasures and something she says she's going to pass down to her kids. And it's still sitting in her jewelry box and she still loves it. So we didn't have to buy the thing and let the thing break. Although sometimes that is a viable option. If she chooses something of the sort again this year, we're going to reflect on last year and how she found something that she loved. It's still sitting in her jewelry box. She loves putting it on. She loves the way that it sparkles and she's going to have it for a very long time. So when it comes to choosing an appropriate toy for our kids, it's okay to stand your ground, but don't dig your heels in. Sometimes we do need to let our kids have some experiences where they get something that's a piece of junk and it breaks and you use that to anchor your decision-making in the future. And sometimes it's okay just to say no and let them brainstorm and find something else that might be a better fit. I think that both of those experiences can be valuable and some kids need one and some kids need the other. Some kids need a little bit of both. And as a parent, you can use your maturity and wisdom to figure out which one suits your child at any given time. We're gonna take a two minute word from today's sponsor and then we're gonna talk a little bit about what it means to understand and how even if we explain things pretty clearly to our kids, they may not truly understand it right now, but it's part of a process. The first sponsor is KiwiCo. We're talking about gifting today. Many of us know how hard it is to find a holiday gift that keeps kids excited after the day that they open it. 
KiwiCo knows a thing or two about delivering fun for all ages, and they're here to help you give awesome. With KiwiCo, you're giving so much more than a toy. Each box is kid approved by a crew of kid testers to ensure that they're age appropriate and really fun. We really loved the coding box where we built a robot and it's fueled the interest in coding for one of my kids who wants to learn more. So I invite you, cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity by giving them the tools they need to learn new skills and make new connections to the world around them. Each box features new projects every month, like discovering the science of magic, which was one of our favorite, engineering a domino machine, and many more. Give awesome this holiday season with KiwiCo. Get your first month of any crate line free at kiwico.com simple. That's your first month free at kiwico.com slash simple. Our next sponsor is Seed. It turns out that everything that you thought you knew about probiotics might be wrong. The good news is that Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. Not all probiotics are created equal, which is something that I think I knew, but I didn't really know until I tried Seed. Seed is a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. If you've taken a probiotic before and you never felt a difference, it's likely because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. Seed is designed differently and that's why it works. The daily symbiotic supports benefits in and beyond the gut. Many see improvements in digestion within 24 to 48 hours. And the bonus is that it's sustainably delivered monthly. Their packaging materials are some of the most innovative that I've ever seen. Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com forward slash simple. Use the code simple to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com forward slash simple and use the code simple. Back to our episode for today. So our third and final point is what does it mean to have a kid understand? Right? If you tell your six-year-old that they can't get this gift because it's inappropriate for them and then you tell them why, do they or don't they understand? Some of our explanations are more complex than our kids are really ready for. You know, if you refuse to buy your daughter Barbie dolls because you don't like the body shape of the Barbie or the obsession with shopping and wearing high heels, your explanation is probably related to feminism and what you want for this child as she grows. Unlikely that a six-year-old's really going to fully comprehend that. You can explain your decision-making process. Your child may try to even understand your decision-making process, but they still may not agree with your decision. And that's okay too. Children really benefit from hearing our decision-making processes. Often we keep these things in our own heads. We think through the scenarios, make the decision, and then just state the decision without letting them know how we got to that decision. So hearing our process, taking what is internal and making it external can be really valuable for our kids, whether or not they're ready to fully grasp it and agree with it. So when possible, walk them through your process. Answer any questions they have along the way. Be ready for them to not agree and to not truly grasp all the components that you've explained. And that's okay. Kids need to hear our process, and they also need to work through their own process too. Kids learn to make good decisions by practicing making decisions. So figure out opportunities for your kids to practice this really important skill. 
figure out how you can give them ownership over making important decisions for themselves. Whether it's picking out their own clothes, choosing their own books at the library, letting them pick out something from the grocery store each week. As parents, we're steering the ship and we have to make important decisions for our kids, but we also have to make space for them to make decisions for themselves. And as they get older, we have to do that more and more and more so that they can practice doing that when we're not around to do it for them. Many of you have probably heard the expression, you don't know what you don't know. Let's talk a little bit about that. And let's use this Barbie example. Let's say you have told your daughter that you're not going to buy her a Barbie for Christmas because you want her to surround herself with strong role models who have interests in making important contributions in the world of science and math. You want her to surround herself with women who have many different types and shapes of bodies and hair color and hairstyles. I don't know. You've given her a whole bunch of reasons why you've made this decision. So let's take a look at the four levels of competency that are really necessary for what we view as true understanding and integration of ideas. This is something that's been around from the 70s. So let's talk about the four stages. The first is unconscious incompetence, or you don't know what you don't know. The second is conscious incompetence, which means you know the information but you're still learning it. You haven't really grasped it. You can't apply it. The third is conscious competence, which means you know what you should do, but it takes a lot of intentionality in doing that thing. And the fourth is unconscious competence, which means it's become second nature to you. So I played with Barbies a lot as a kid. I loved getting them dressed and undressed. had many different pairs of Barbie shoes, most of which I lost one or both of them, barely had any matches. No one really explained to me why Barbies might cause a young girl to grow up with an idealized image of body and hair, a narrow view of her place in the world as a woman who exists pretty much to go to the shopping mall. Now I know Barbie has changed. I'm talking about Barbie when I was a kid. So No one taught me that as a kid. So I think I was in that first stage of unconscious incompetence. So I spent most of my life in that first stage of unconscious incompetence. Until I got to be an adult as a young woman, I started to learn about the impact of surrounding girls with this imagery and this type of play. So then I moved into stage two, the conscious incompetence. I kind of knew it, but I didn't necessarily know or desire to do anything differently. But then... I moved into the third stage when I had a daughter, the third stage of conscious competence, which means I know the values that I want to teach her and I know what I need to do in order to teach her that. That means not going to buy her a bunch of these dolls that are designed to look a certain way that she may never look and may feel like she's lacking as a result of. So I was able to be conscious in making decisions to surround her with toys and dolls that were more well-rounded and more varied which again, I think Barbie offers a lot more options of that now than they did when I was a kid. So that was when she was young and I was starting to make decisions for her around what sort of things we were bringing into her life. But now we're in this fourth stage of unconscious competence, which means it's just second nature. Like when I go to the store, when I go to Target, I don't even go down the Barbie aisle. It's just a non-thing. I just don't even think about it. I gravitate towards other things because this is something that has become second nature to me. 
Now, how has my daughter moved through this process? That may look a little bit different. She also started in the first stage. She didn't know what she didn't know. So from a very young age, I started explaining it to her. So she knew my why, which is stage two, being conscious, but not quite understanding or valuing it yet. And now I see her kind of wavering between stage three and four. She knows the why, and she's adapted the why too. Now that doesn't always happen. It has mostly become second nature to her to not seek out these things. I haven't really had to shut it down or say no. She really hasn't asked for them. She has asked for LOL dolls. And that is a good opportunity for us to kind of walk through this, for me to start back at the beginning, planting the seed, explaining the why. Then for her to take that seed and recognize that she has that seed of information and she's learning to use that information to make decisions moving forward. So now she kind of wavers between stage three and four on this topic. Sometimes it's second nature to her. Sometimes she knows, but still something she has to really act intentionally around to make the decision that aligns with her values. It's very much a work in progress. So in short, I don't think that it's useful or valuable for our kids to have a hard and fast rule around gifting, around the things that they own. Maybe you don't frequently buy toys that you deem inappropriate, but maybe sometimes you do. And sometimes when you do, those end up being learning experiences. As parents, I do think it's really important that we model flexibility and we model the fact that we can change our minds and that sometimes we make mistakes, especially when it comes to buying things and buying the wrong things and buying things that break easily. And we're human. So if you find yourself being especially rigid this holiday season, try to take a deep breath, loosen up a little bit, Remind yourself that you're not going to be equal, but you can strive to be fair, which is meeting each kid where they're at with what their needs are. And there's a good possibility that your kids are not going to agree on the definition of fair that you have. And that's okay too. They're a work in progress, just like you. Recognize you're going to make some good decisions and you're going to make some bad decisions and you're going to learn from both. And so will your kids. We're all allowed to make mistakes. We're all still learning and understanding and becoming more competent all the time. Hold fast to your family values when it feels like the right thing to do, but also flex and lean in and give your kids some room to make those decisions when you can. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk with you soon.